We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Mannion. we got special guest Billy Reinhardt of Nets Daily today. Guys, how are we doing? Always good to have Billy on the pod. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks, guys, for having me. Our pleasure. Always get some in-depth Nets knowledge from Billy. And as always, you can find the pod on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Also, this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. But, Jack, I'm going to pass it over to you. All right, let's get into some Nets news. It seems to be just more and more by the day. It's uh, lucky we do a podcast. But uh, this was probably, it feels like eons ago, but it was just a few days ago. Giannis was doing a bit of IG Live, and he had a couple of little Nets tidbits, saying that Kyrie Irving has the best handles, Joe Harris is one of the best shooters, gave Spencer Dinwiddie a little bit of love as well. So, boys, Giannis is coming to Brooklyn, yeah? Billy, I'll let you jump on this first. <laughs> it sounds yeah, like it was your tweet. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't understand. I don't really don't understand why people are going to run with it. Actually, I do understand why they'll run with it. We have nothing better to do. But this is completely ludicrous to think that him saying any of that means anything regarding to his interest in coming to the Nets in the future. I was watching that IG Live as I tweeted that out. And I only tweeted about the Nets stuff because I'm covering the Nets and it's Nets irrelevant. But he did mention plenty of other players giving shout outs across the league. Um, among his shooters list, he said Duncan Robinson, some really like undervalued guys that should get more love around the league. Um, someone asked him about Spencer Dinwiddie, so he said, I haven't gotten to watch him a ton. He's been scoring, I think, 20 games, having a good season. Everyone basically says that Kyrie Irving has the best handles in the league. So don't read too much into that. And uh, I do not think Giannis will be coming to Brooklyn. 
Yeah, it doesn't seem very likely. It is nice, though, that the Nets got some respect from one of the best players in the game, especially Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie. Obviously, Kyrie's going to get love from pretty much every current and former NBA player. Yeah, I mean, uh, thanks for breaking my dreams, boys. Uh, really, <laughs> I was really looking forward to a big three of KD, Kyrie, and Giannis. But a man can dream, and we might have to settle for a Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday. But we might get to that a little bit later. But what we will get to is that Joseph Sy, in terms of paying the employees at Barclays Center, has been doing something nice, and this is via the New York Post. The Nets and the Barclays Center employees are getting the same checks that they would have gotten if they'd worked events through the end of May. And that is apparently going to cost around $6 million uh, for owner Joseph Sy. What do you guys think about Joe Sy extending out his wallet a little bit until the end of May? I love it. I mean, it's great. Sorry, cut you off. No worries. I mean, it's, I mean, I wish my job did that for me. (laughs) Like during this pandemic, it's, it's like, honestly, very stress relieving, I'm assuming for the workers and just sends a good message about the organization and all the players and all the employees and everything like that, especially compared to like the Houston Rockets and what they're doing and not paying their owners and just pretty much killing their brand image. And we saw what happened with the Sixers. They pretty much got bullied by Twitter into ending up paying their employees. So shout out to Joe side doing the right thing. Yeah, it's definitely the right thing by Joe Sy. I think more teams than not have decided to do uh, something similar. And the teams that haven't, as, as Nick mentioned, have kind of gotten a bad reputation around the league. And you don't want to be in that in that spot right there. So Joe Sy doing probably what he has to do, but also the right thing. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the richest dudes in the world. You know, Alibaba is certainly doing some nice things as well in New York in terms of the supplies that they're providing for, for the New York area. You know, obviously, Joseph Sy has had his, his share of controversy probably right at the start of the year, which feels like, oh, no, uh, before the season started, which feels like decades ago uh, when it came to the China controversy. But Joseph Sy continued to do the right thing by the employees. And, I mean, when you're a billionaire, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, $6 million to a 20 billion, it's like $50 to us or something like that. I can't necessarily do the math off the top of my head, but he's at least doing the right thing, making the Brooklyn Nets brand look good, making himself look good. And at the end of the day, the best thing is that these workers don't have that stress, like you sort of said, Nick, you know, so many people in terms of what's happening in this current insanely unstable climate, that stress, that financial stress is probably one of the number one things affecting us all. You know, that helps with the rent, that helps with the groceries, that helps with all the daily living. So shout out to Joe Sy. But a Joe that I like even more is Joe <laughs> Harris. And I'm going to get to this guy. And he was asked by Brian Lewis, again, of the New York Post, about whether he wants to kick around and stay with KD and Kyrie. Obviously, he will be a free agent very, very soon. And he said, yeah, definitely. Why wouldn't you? Obviously, those are guys who I've gotten close with now that I've been with them this past year. They're obviously incredible players. You see what they're able to do when they're healthy and playing. I don't see that there's anybody in the NBA who wouldn't want to play with those guys. So is Joseph Sy going to have to uh, pull out his wallet yet again to keep uh, Joey Buckets hanging around? Yeah, I mean... I think he is going to, and I think Joe Harris is going to say all the right things here. And I think as a three-point shooter, you know, a floor spacer, the ideal situation is to play with two superstars and Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant gives you that fit. So I could see no reason Joe wouldn't want to be here. And I mean, I think depending on what the Nets have planned for the offseason, whenever it does happen, you want to have a three-pointer, three-point shooter like Joe on your team to give that extra space to a Kyrie or a KD or even a guy like Karis LeVert or Spencer Dinwiddie if they're still here. Yeah, this should be an absolute no-brainer. I mean, your choices are losing Joe Harris for nothing uh, or retaining him, and then third one, possibly, you could sign and trade him for something else. But unless you're getting something back for Joe Harris or keeping him, there's no way you can just let him leave for nothing. So Joe Joe Sy, excuse me, has to fork up the money for that contract. 
It's just the first year, really, of this KD Kyrie era. He's got to be able to put the money down for that. Although, as I tweeted today, I do think that in the next couple of years, the Nets are going to have some big financial decisions to make with Spencer Dinwiddie hitting free agency, Jared Allen hitting free agency. So this payroll can only go so far up that it's fair to continue to ask Josiah to pay. So I do think when you look at which guys the Nets might have to move on from long term to add other pieces, it does make sense maybe for that to be Jared Allen or Spencer Dinwiddie given their contract situations. Yeah. What sort of contract do you lads think that Joe Harris will command from the Brooklyn Nets or on the open market? You know, I, I think we might see Joe probably take some unders like Spencer Dinwiddie did, but on the open market, you know, I spoke about on the outlet with you, Nick, that we think he could get anywhere upwards of $15 million for a team that's really, really desperate for some shooting. What do you guys think that his value is on this market? I could say this about Joe. He's going to be a player that's probably harmed by the whole situation of the coronavirus and the whole China situation because the cap is going to drastically drop and there's going to be less teams with cap space. And then it's going to come down to a decision for Joe really is like, do I want to go to a bad team and get a contract or do I want to stay with the Nets and take less money and, you know, have an opportunity to win a championship? So I, I think his contract like drastically dropped over the last month because of that. And I didn't really even think about it when we talked about the other day, but I think it's probably I think it's going to be under 15. I would be surprised probably somewhere between like 9 and 15. It depends on the amount of years. You know, obviously the longer years, less annual money. Shorter years, you know, higher annual money. Yeah, Nick, that's a great point. And I wonder also the ramifications of this whole uh, NBA stoppage, how it's going to affect the luxury tax. Yep. I mean, I saw someone bring up the possibility that the NBA just abolishes the luxury tax for the next season because – I mean, these teams, when they're planning out their cap sheets, they had no idea something like this would happen. I'm not sure you could penalize them further um, with some luxury tax payments because the NBA didn't bring in the same amount of revenue. So I think that's an idea they should consider and could consider. Um, But there's so many different variables in place right now. Before all this happened, I thought Joe Harris was probably in line for something between 12 and 15 million. I'll say now, I think you probably get something about 12 and 12, 13 million a year range, maybe something in the two three-year range probably three years uh i'd say 36 million between 36 and 40 million probably makes a lot of sense yeah yeah and i think it helps the nets a lot right now with this situation it just seems more likely that he'll come back to the nets instead of trying to branch out in free agency because there's just less options yeah, we saw that first contract that he signed for two years, $60 million. I know I was a big fan of it, thought we got a little bit of unders. Some people weren't necessarily as high. He's exceeded that value. And then some, you know, Torian Prince signed for two years, $29 million. He's probably not going to be living up to that. I think that the Nets will try and offload that in some sense if they can because of, like Billy was mentioning, so many different salaries and contracts to maneuver. You know, the salary cap, obviously, what's going to happen there. But, yeah, I think Joe could hopefully kick around and stay for a lesser sort of range. You know, we saw JJ Redick, obviously he is a veteran. He sort of signed a deal in Philly initially for two years, $25 million. But in terms of priorities, guys, you know, Bill, you mentioned Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, these sort of guys coming on the, coming off the books. You know, Joe Harris, we obviously know about as well. In terms of priorities, it seems to me that both of you think that Joe Harris is almost priority A out of that list, just purely because alongside two superstars, you need high level spacing. And he's a really just a great complimentary fit to any star player. And you really have no issue kind of plugging Joe in where, hey, Spencer Dinwiddie, we already have Kyrie, KD, and Karis LeVert. There's only one basketball. I know people hate that, but, you know, he is more effective with the ball in his hand. So I think it just benefits Joe that he's able to do things without the ball and provide spacing when he doesn't have it in his hands. And then when you think about some of the sets that Nets like to run and pretty much every NBA team would love this luxury, teams want an off-ball shooter that can come around, screams, and curl. And Joe Harris is one of the few guys in the league that can do that. There really aren't a ton of them. 
J.J. Reddick's another one. Um, Buddy Heald, who we saw in some trade trade uh, proposals today from Bleach Report to the Nets, he's another guy that can kind of do that. So you need one of those guys in your offense. Um, so Joe Harris is, is big for that as well. But he's turned himself in more than just a shooter. He's, he's good at the rim. He's improved his mid-range shooting. Defensively, while he's not really the a- athlete that you would want on that end, doesn't have great length, he competes and he sticks to the game plan. So he's definitely a valuable player for Brooklyn and one I think that you definitely need to keep around unless you can get something back for him in a signing trade of some sort. Yeah, yeah I think the only way you can get rid of him is if you can provide another floor spacer that can at least not maybe match Joe, but give you something similar. And it, like Billy mentioned, it's really tough to find someone like Joe. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of those trades, Billy, let's just jump into them and just get some instant reaction. I, I know probably both of you lads have seen them, but I'm just looking through them now. And just give me your reactions to both of these ones. So it's a Brooklyn and San Antonio trade. The Nets get LaMarcus Aldridge and guard Derek Wright, and they have to give up Spencer Dimity, Jared Allen, and forward Torian Prince. How does that deal sound to you guys? Billy, I'll let you take this one first. I actually didn't see this trade, so i got to yeah. process it. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I actually didn't see this one either. Um, Spencer Denry, I actually know, is down in San, San Antonio during quarantine. Jared Allen's from the Texas area, so I guess it can make some sense. LaMarcus Aldridge, he's not playing any power forward at this point in his career. He's strictly a center, so you're basically replacing Jared Allen in the center rotation with LaMarcus Aldridge, and DeAndre Jordan is likely going back to the bench, so I'm not sure how that fits in right there. Aldridge is also in the final year of a big money deal for him. He's going to be looking for an extension for the final year or so, a couple years of his career. Um, Torian Prince at this point, I think he was signed basically to be traded. That's why he was only given two years, not more than that. He's a perfect um, salary filler for an improvement, and he hasn't had the best of years. So I think he's someone that could be going. Um, And Spencer Dinwiddie, you're getting Derek White back, another Colorado point guard. Um, Decent player. Um, I'm not sure about that trade. I'm not even sure who proposed it, but um, I'd probably look for something different than that. But uh, it's, it's a possibility that Nets have options. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Aldridge, especially in the Nets system, just because like we're going to try to get him post touches and then you're taking away touches from KD and Kyrie. And if I probably want to see someone in the post. I'd probably rather see KD down there. And I'm not sure if Aldridge fits that switching style defensively, which it feels like Kyrie and KD want the Nets to play. We saw it a little bit more with Jock Vaughn over those two games. So I'm with Billy here. I'm not really a huge fan of this trade. Derek White would be a nice like replacement for Spencer off the bench and yeah. he provides you more defensively. But I'm just not not in love with it. Yeah, not in love with it either. If I'm grading it, I'm giving it a C at the best. It's uh, not something to my taste. But uh, as Billy mentioned, Buddy Heald was in that article as well. And the trade proposal was as such. Buddy Heald heads to Brooklyn. Sacramento gets uh, Torian Prince, Jared Allen, Theo Pinson, and a 2020 first-round pick via the Sixers. Well, quickly on Aldridge first, because I I wanted to say something quickly on him. Um, I tweeted out today, like in ter- talking about all these trade proposals, that everyone keeps saying the Nets need a big, which I don't think is necessarily true because you already have, uh, assuming you're keeping Allen and Jordan, you have two bigs already. The Nets are not playing a second big in a five man lineup. They want Durant at the four or another floor spacer at the four. And I think their needs, in terms of what they need, they could use big, athletic, strong body wings that can switch, that can guard other fours and threes for Durant so he doesn't have to for an entire game. And then the other thing, which I think is a luxury, they could use a a five, uh, a center that's going to stretch the floor a little bit so that when teams try and take away the middle of the floor in the pick and roll, that they could still have production from the center position offensively. Because when teams take away the pick and roll, Jared Allen more so than DeAndre Jordan, but both of them kind of get taken out of the offensive game plan. So if they can add a big man like a LaMarcus Aldridge, who I'm not 
the biggest fan of for the Nets, but someone that could stretch the floor a little bit, um, that would help a lot. So, I mean, Serge Ibaka fits in that. I don't know how realistic that is, but Aaron Baines. There's a few other big men in the league that the Nets could potentially get their hands on that, that could fill that role. Yeah, even like a guy like Dwayne Dedman, if he was coming off the bench, just some of that potential to shoot three. I think when you already are putting out two elite scores and two floor spacers and Kyrie and KD, if you can surround them with three other at least average three-point shooters, they just have so much room to operate. And that's a great point, Billy, because you saw the pick and roll get shut down sometimes this year because teams really just didn't respect Torian Prince. So they were coming off that weak side and really just kind of collapsing the paint. And it hurt the Nets offense a lot of times. Yeah, another guy I wouldn't mind as well is, you know, another Toronto big, you know, Marcus Gasol. That guy has uh, developed and flourished into somewhat of a three-point shooter. He hasn't had the best season, but I think it's just a sort of stopgap, sort of filler, sort of big man. I think he'd be really nice. And, and you know, in the pick and roll, his high post, low post sort of play is, is really pretty, really nice passes. So I think that there are options there. And I think the center position is, you know, like we've sort of said, like Billy mentioned, when we talked about on the, the strengths and weaknesses podcast, Nick, you know, the, one of the biggest strengths of the Nets was their rebounding numbers. And obviously it hasn't translated to wins necessarily, but, you know, our, our big game is fine. We need... Other, other spots, as you two lads just both mentioned. But With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with the online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit the website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering expert. CJ McCollum to the Brooklyn Nets, lads. It goes as such. Brooklyn gets shooting guard CJ McCollum and the Portland Trailblazers get guard Carol Savert, forward, forward Torian Prince, and that 2021st I just mentioned via the Sixers. Thoughts? Ooh, uh, Billy, you tackle this first. I'm interested to hear what you got. Yeah, and then I guess that's the first I'm hearing this one too. And then I guess we'll touch on Buddy Heald too because I kind of took us off off path a little bit there. Oh, good. Karis um, LeVert, uh, Torian Prince, and a first for CJ McCollum. That's interesting because I think McCollum is definitely safer than LeVert. I think he'll give you production of what you hope LeVert can do. Um, if Levert's healthy, Levert, I think, is a little bit younger. Um, that's a tough one because I'm not sure if I love the backcourt fit of Kyrie and CJ. I know the Blazers have kind of made it work, but I don't think they've necessarily maximized what they can do. Um, I don't love the way that looks defensively necessarily. Um, that is a really tough one. I, <laughs> I would probably scour the league for better options, and I'd – think i'd probably try and keep karis Levert in any trade that's not bradley beal at this point um i think i could potentially be moved to making that trade but i think i'd look for better options first back to the buddy healed one i think that one's intriguing because you're not really giving Love up it. any core pieces you're yeah. giving up torian prince you're giving up theo pinson who's not going to be back next year likely you're giving up that first round pick which is in the 20s it's it's not really killing you to give that up and then jared allen who i'm increasingly believing that is not going to be back next season so and because of all that you get buddy healed i don't think you could play buddy healed with joe harris personally from a defensive perspective offensively you'd have the space next to Kyrie and kd but i just don't think you have the size or the athleticism on the wing to play healed and harris at the two three together and they don't have the positional flexibility to play point or power forward so 
I think in that case, that gives you the flexibility to look, move on from Joe Harris and hope for a signing trade possibility elsewhere. I'm not sure if that's Aaron Gordon in Orlando or Serge Ibaka in Toronto or some other possibility out there, but I think Joe Harris will have suitors. And in a sign-and-trade scenario, I think a lot of contenders would try and match his salary at about $12, 13000000 million and send someone back the Nets' way. So that would give the Nets options. Um, again, I would scour the league. That's not my first choice. I'm not super in love with that Sacramento trade um, because I'm not the biggest Buddy Heald guy. He's also kind of had some problems about coming off the bench, and I'm not sure that's the culture fit the Nets are going to want because he's going to be taking a back seat with the Nets if he came here. And who knows if they find a better fit to start and heals the scoring punch off the bench. Like I don't know how well that translates, but I, I like the trade. I don't love it. I would definitely look around the league for better trades, but um, worst comes to worst, I probably would accept that offer. Yeah, I feel like if you don't feel comfortable paying Joe Harris and you want to bring in another piece and you think maybe Buddy Heels could be better, he provides you a little bit more scoring, you could do it. But again, like you said, you're not going to feel – I don't think Buddy Heels' defense is great. I kind of feel the same thing about C.J. McCollum. I think like the Nets' off- offense isn't probably going to be a problem when you have Kyrie and KD. So I'd be more interested probably in getting someone who's closer to like a two-way ability. But again – Joe Harris, the option to sign and trade him is really intriguing because, like we mentioned, cap is going to be a problem for a lot of teams, and teams are going to be looking to add players to do upgrades. And the only way they're probably going to be able to do that is in some sign and trade scenario. So that's one way the Nets could attack. I'm not like kind of like Billy said, I'm not really in love with either trade. And the CJ McCollum and Kyrie backcourt could be really fun offensively, but it'd be pretty much similar to what you have in Portland. And there's really just not a ton of defense there. And I think you at least need one of your guards to be a, a solid defender. You know, they don't want that to be lockdown guys, but you need to give Kyrie at least somebody who can take on the other team's opposing best ball handler. Oh, what are you two on about? Buddy Heald and Joe Harris in the same backcourt <laughs> at the same time? You got two of the five, six best three-point shooters in the league. You're making it rain, baby. You mean Golden State 2.0. We've got the new Splash Brothers out in Brooklyn. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand it in terms of a team composition standpoint. I just get irrational when there's, you know, a, a chances for a lot of fun offense. I'm more of a the offense sort of dude. You know, I don't do defense. I'm Bill Murray of Space Jam sort of style here. <laughs> CJ McCollum, CJ McCollum would be a bit of fun, but I agree with both of you. I think that CJ is on the downward slide, and that contract is, you know, ridiculous. I think he's being overpaid by Portland there, but I guess and it keeps the, going up. And it does keep going up. And we've got a couple more. You know, I'll, I'll throw a couple more at you. The Bradley Beal one that I know you're both intrigued about uh, via, again, Bleacher Report. And it, it, it is as follows. Carol Severt, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, that 2021st and then a 2022 first uh, top three protected. For Bradley Beal, as Scott Brooks said, a top 10 player in the league, apparently. Yeah, I think you probably pull the trigger on this. As much as I wouldn't want to trade Karis Vert and I wouldn't want to trade all the guys, I'd try to do it without all three of them. I think you get Bradley Beal, you have Kyrie Irving, you have Kevin Durant, and now all of a sudden you have free agents lining up to play for the Nets because they become you know, maybe the best team in the East, if not the second best team, and there's a real shot at a championship. It's, it's really tough to argue against that, especially because we saw what Bradley Beal has done as a second option. We saw him as a first option. And I think defensively, he can be a lot better than what we've seen. It's just kind of playing for the Wizards who are terrible on that end. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Nick. I I think if you look at the league's history, how many times, I can't think of one off the top of my head, maybe you guys can, but how many times have there been three top 15 or so players on one team and that team hasn't won the title? So you, you get Bradley Beal in here with Kyrie, who's a top 15 player. KD's hopefully top five after his injury. I mean, that's a team that should win the title. 
if you count on all the other guys that are going to come on for veteran discounts to join a title contender, you'd still have DeAndre Jordan. You'd still have Torian Prince and his contract to move around um, to improve in other areas. You have your mid-level exception. Veterans would flock to the Nets. You could bring Joe Harris back. So I, I think that team would be really good. Um, it's probably a move I would make. Yeah, I think yeah. like offensively, they couldn't really be stopped. I mean, people won't say it, but it's pretty similar to what was in Golden State. You know, you have KD, obviously Kyrie isn't Steph, but he does his own thing. And Bradley Beal isn't Clay, but he does his own thing. They're maybe not the same shooters, but they both probably score the ball a little bit better in terms of like mid-range and inside. And we know Kyrie can outplay Stephen Curry on the important occasions. We all know that. <laughs> We've all seen uh, that in person. But lads, final one for you. And one that really intrigues me and I'm a big fan of is you essentially, you are trading with the Philadelphia 76ers and it's essentially the same package, but you sub in Joel Embiid for Bradley Beal. What about Embiid? Are we trusting the process to bring it down to Brooklyn? It seems so scary. It just <laughs> seems so scary because you have three, your three best players are all... I don't want to say injury-prone because Katie's not really injury-prone, but Kyrie and Embiid have missed a ton of time over the last couple of seasons. And then it's like you get into a playoff series and now you're only down to your two stars and you just trade all the depth you really had. I'd probably be more intrigued with the Bradley Beal one, especially just because like we've talked about this a lot in the outlet. Like Joel Embiid's health is a real concern. Uh, I see. I didn't. I didn't see this one. This one's got the juices flowing right now. <laughs> I, I am. I love the stars. Like I think the league, the NBA, more than any other league, you win with stars. And Joel Embiid, his peak performance, he's borderline top five. I think he gives Anthony yeah. Davis a run for his money as the best big in the league when he's healthy and things are working right. Put on the fact that he'd be with the Nets next to KD and Kyrie, a true point guard that can get him the ball and a floor spacer in KD would be next to him with the four slot. He would have so much room to operate. Teams would not be able to double him. We talked about having Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant around him. Embiid would be a light version of Shaq. I'm, I'm sure of that if he was healthy. The, the health is, is a concern, but you'd have DeAndre Jordan still, and he'd be able to give you uh, as many minutes as you need in those times that Embiid sits. You can rest him through the regular season. Jordan's definitely capable um, to play. You'd have Claxton still in the mix. So I would probably pull the trigger on that. I thought you were going to go the direction of Ben Simmons, who I'd actually prefer over Embiid, not because I think he's a better player, but for the net situation, I think that Simmons would just be such a unique fit and it would maximize him. He's younger. He's, he's more durable. So I prefer that. I do the same tre- trade for Ben Simmons, although I don't think the Sixers would take on Jared Allen with Embiid there. But you could find a third team that takes on Allen and Prince and maybe get a little uh, more expensive with that trade. But for either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, I would do those two in a heartbeat. Bang. Simmons and or Joel Embiid to the Brooklyn Nets confirmed. You heard it here first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, on the Brooklyn Buzz. But guys, uh, I think Sean Marks has uh, been having a bit of a chat to the reporters. And I guess we'll, we'll talk about the main takeaways. And obviously the big question is, is KD and Kyrie coming back? And Sean Marks did tell the reporters, I couldn't even give an answer on whether they'd be able to play this season. I don't think it's fair to those athletes or the performance team to put a timeline on it timeline on it i think everyone is dealing with bigger far more pressing things you could take the other side of this which is that this hiatus could have set their rehabilitation back no katie and Kyrie, lads hashtag sad face okay so I, I i don't think the nba necessarily is coming back right now at least i'm not confident in it. if it does come back i think it's going to be in vegas in some abbreviated playoff format and i'm not sure if in that case it makes sense to bring katie or Kyrie back um, but who knows? There's so many variables right now. You don't know when the NBA is coming back. I don't know how KD and Kyrie are both doing physically, um, recovering and re- rehabbing. Sean Marcus mentioned that it might be 
um, a little tough for them to continue their rehab at the same progress and the same pace that they were before. So that's going to hinder them a little bit. But the time off definitely does help, I guess. Uh, I don't know. There's so many things up in the air right now. I'd probably say that both do not return, and I'd be surprised if the NBA returned more than just like a Vegas single elimination tournament format. Yeah, like Billy said, there's just so many variables, not even just with them getting back on the court. It's like, how much are they practicing? How much time is the NBA going to allocate these teams to have their facilities back open? Are they ever going to get back open before like the season starts? Or is it all going to be in Vegas? I think like you really just don't know what's going to go on. I think from the health perspective and you know healing, it's benefiting them because they're healing longer. But is it hurting the rehab process? We don't really know. Obviously, Kyrie and Katie probably have some of the best resources in the league compared to you know your average player. So I wouldn't be completely surprised that we saw them come back, but a lot of it would depend on when do we see the NBA season back. Is the NBA coming back in August? I think it becomes a lot more you know, likely. Is the NBA coming back in late June? It becomes less likely. So I think pretty much it's just all variable-based. It is completely variable-based. No one has any idea in the world. And if you say you do, then uh, you live in somewhere with <laughs> consistency. And uh, you're living on Planet Earth 2.0, some Rick and Morty weird universe. I don't know about that one. But there's a few other little tidbits that I'll, I'll throw to you, lads, and you can tell me what you are, are thinking. And this sort of leads me into my head coaching discussion. I know you did a, a really thorough piece on that Staley for that one, Billy. So I want to get your thoughts on that more in general. But Sean Marks did say... Ultimately, I'm not going to put that decision on any one, two, four, or five players. It's going to come down to myself, the front office, and our ownership. But it'll be a collaborative approach. He also did add that they aren't reaching out to any, anybody right now. That would be completely not be fair to our group. So what's going on with this head coaching situation? What are you, what are you guys feeling about this, this general sort of premise right now? Yeah, I mean, Sean Marks pretty much said that he's going to take the opinion of, you know, his players and other people in the organization, and it's not going to be one person who decides. It's not going to be Katie or Kyrie saying, hey, this guy's going to be our head coach. I think it's going to be more of a group decision where he's going to kind of take input from a lot of people on the team. Obviously, the superstar's input is going to weigh more than some of the other guys, but it'll be interesting. Sean Marks, as he said, they're not really reaching out to any candidates right, right now. It's not fair to the team. It's not really fair to the coaching staff, especially – Jock Vaughn is the interim coach right now. They have other coaches on that staff, so they have to be fair to them and respectful to them. At the same time, I do think the Nets are probably doing their homework, their background information on a group of candidates that they're going to consider. Um, as Nick mentioned, Sean Marks said he's going to have a collaborative effort here, talk to all the players, talk to everyone in the front office up and down, and, and really come to a group decision here. But ultimately, the decision is going to come down to Marks and his front office, and then Joe Sy, the owner, of course, he has to sign off on it. So um, it's a collaborative approach, as everything has been with Sean Marks in this era. But obviously, KD and Kyrie, they're going to have a strong input in this. 100%. Well, apparently, a blue chip candidate is what has been reported by Brian Windhorst. And plenty of people have been looking into that comment and sort of bringing up different names. The names brought up on our, at the fellow Brooklyn Nets podcast, the, the glue guys there, Tom Thibodeau, Mike D'Antoni, Jeff Van Gundy, Greg Popovich, uh, Mark Krzyzewski. Ty Lu, Stan Van Gundy, you put in a Jay Wright as a possible candidate. Billy, who do we think is the blue chip candidate for the Brooklyn Nets in the future? Billy, you hit this one first. I know you got the good info. Yeah, I'm not sure they have one guy in mind yet because you could kind of find uh, a real, some real positives for each of these candidates, but then also some drawbacks. Uh, let's take it one at a time here. Mike D'Antoni. I think he aligns with a lot of what the Nets front office uh, believes in, in terms of analytics. Um, he's kind of similar to Kenny Atkinson. He was his mentor. Um, Atkinson was an assistant on his staff in New York. So they, they share a lot of similar philosophies and principles. 
that Tony has had success in the league, although he's never won it all in the terms of a finals, but I wouldn't blame him necessarily on that. He built some two, two really good teams uh, in Phoenix and Houston. However, he did struggle in two big markets, struggled with the Knicks. He struggled with the Lakers. Um, he's coached a lot of stars um, throughout his time. Uh, let's talk about it right now. Steve Nash, Mari Stoudemire works well with both. Came to New York, kind of clashed with Melo, and then clashed with him again in Houston. In L.A., he didn't seem to jive perfectly with Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant over there. So he's had his successes and failures with star players. Katie and Kyrie, ultimately, they've had experience with him on Team USA. They know him a little bit, I'm sure, from people around the league. Um, and they know these guys that have had good experiences and bad experiences with them. Katie's close with Steve Nash and James Harden, who have, I think both enjoyed playing under Dan Tony. Um, but they're also cool with with uh, Carmelo Anthony and Kyrie was really close with Kobe Bryant and they didn't, did not have the best experiences. So I think he he's a, a tough personality. Maybe I do think he's ultimately going to be out from Houston after the season. So I think he's going to be one of the tough the, the top candidates and he's proven to be a really good coach. So we'll see about him. Thibodeau, I don't think that's happening. He just does not jive with the Nets analytically. Um, maybe he changes his ways a little bit just to get back in the NBA, but I don't think that's a good idea right there. I don't think they're going to go in that direction. Stan Van Gundy and Jeff Van Gundy, I think they're both good coaches. They're warming up to the idea of analytics, but they're both a little too outspoken, in my opinion, um, for what Marks and the Nets and their media philosophy they want in terms of a coach. I just don't see that either. Um, Help me with the other couple names. I'm trying to think off the top. Popovich, uh, Coach K, and we got Ty Lue. Yeah, Coach K, I don't think I don't think at his age he's he's leaving Duke and finally making a jump to the NBA. I'd rule that out. Ty Lue, I think, has a chance with his relationship with Kyrie. He's proven he could win. Um, he's respect of a lot of players around the league, so I think he has a chance. And Popovich, everyone acts like it's a it's a really wild thing to happen, but I really don't think it is. If you look at all the different things um, in, in the favor of him coming to Brooklyn, he's up in age. He's in the final year of his contract. San Antonio's uh, playoff streak. North American sports long playoff streak of, I think, 22 years is going to snap this season. Um, that They're going down. They, 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 Aldridge and DeRozan are two best players. They're going to be gone from that team over the next uh, year or two, and they're going to be going young. They have uh, Duante Murray. They have Lonnie Walker Jr. They have Derek White. They have some young players. That they're going to try and rebuild around those guys. They could use some other pieces um, and, and maybe a young coach. I think Pop would love to turn it over to a Becky Hammond or Tim Duncan on that staff, do right by them, and then for him, it's probably either retirement or if he wants to try and win it one more time. I think coming up to somewhere like Brooklyn, I can't see him going somewhere where he'd have to start completely fresh. But coming to Brooklyn, so many Spurs staffers in the Nets organization, namely Sean Marks. You have uh, Tiago Splitters here. Jacques Vaughn could even stay on as an assistant, keep some kind of consistency with that coaching staff. Andy Birdsong, assistant GM, he came from San Antonio. There's so many connections that he's familiar with, and that's run a similar style. Uh, system both on and off the court. He knows Katie and Kyrie well, respects them. So I think that makes a whole lot of sense for both parties involved if Pop wants to continue coaching and realize it's not in San Antonio. But right now, there is no clear candidate. It's really weird because for the Nets to make a move like this with Kenny, you feel like they would have to have something like that, um, that they, someone that they really wanted. But I just don't see it right now, which makes me think, could they really know more about a Popovich situation that, than we do? And they, they, a lot of their success has come from over the years of just knowing what's going to happen before it does. They've been planning KD and Kyrie for years. It happened. People never thought it would until recently. So I wouldn't rule it out. I really don't know what the possibility is at this point, although I wouldn't rule out Jacques Vaughn, Ty Lue, and Pop, I think, is the dream candidate. 
Yeah, that's a great point, Billy, about them kind of being prepared. Because even if you think back to trading Alan Crabb, a lot of people are like, oh, they traded two first-round picks to get rid of Alan Crabb and take on Torian Prince. But, hey, that was the cap space they needed for Kyrie and KD when really a lot of people didn't think they could get him. So I don't think the Popovich idea is far-fetched, especially because of what's going on in San Antonio. Ty Lue seems like he could be really likely here. I know one of the guys you mentioned in uh, your piece for Nets Daily was Phil Handy. I think he'd be another guy because of his connection that he's had with Kyrie. So that'd be interesting. But again, nobody really pops out. where like, oh, this guy is definitely going to be the Nets' next head coach. Yeah, great. Yeah. Popovich is not far-fetched. He is fetch, and we're going to make fetch happen. <laughs> we're going to make fetch happen, as Mean Girl said. And, you know, I put it out on Twitter another, a day or two ago, you know, who is your ideal coaching candidate? And pretty much every single person was in the Greg Popovich, you know, bandwagon, and for good damn reason, because he's probably the best coach in the history of this awesome sport that we have. And I know some people were bringing up Mark Jackson. Thank God that no one is talking about Mark Jackson anymore, at least the people that are. uh, People that I don't necessarily trust their opinions on, but Popovich to the Nets. uh, We confirmed it. Joel Embiid to the Nets. Greg Popovich to the Nets. The Nets are winning a championship in 2021, lads. (laughs) Uh, We can hope. We can hope. I mean, if they end up making a star trade and end up getting a star coach, I think uh, it's lining up pretty nicely. (laughs) Damn true about that. Anything else that you you lads wanted to add about any coaching news, any trade news, contract news, anything at all around this Brooklyn Nets team? Because I got a question for Billy. Uh, Go, Billy. Like, how likely do you think it is that the Nets make a move for a star in this offseason? Do you think it's like over fifty percent, under fifty percent? We like to put percents on things. So if you want to hit us with a percentage, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, I mean, who who do we determine as stars? Like, is I would say it all. Star? I would call him like a fringe star. I would say like an, uh, has an all-star appearance. Drew Holiday, I don't believe has one. He has one. But oh, he has one? Ago, like with the Sixers, like years ago. Oh, so yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I actually remember that, yep. So like I'm, I'm going to say for these purposes, I think the only three stars that could potentially come available are Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. That's fair. Um, and I don't – I wouldn't put money on saying any of those happen, those three. Uh, but I think there's definitely a possibility led by Bradley Beal. He's the most likely just because I think it's most likely that the Wizards trade him. Although they could say, I mean, we're the ninth seed this year. We're getting John Wall back and they have a nice young core they're starting to build. They can go the other way and, and say they're going to get back in the playoffs. So to be determined in terms of that, it's easier to say it this way because I'm not sure how who's going to come available, how it's going to happen. But I do think out of this four, five-man group of Dinwiddie, Levert, Jared Allen, Torian Prince, Joe Harris, I think at least two of those guys will not be on the team next season. So I'm not sure what that means. If they if they try and make smaller moves and trade for pieces that fit better around KD and Kyrie, or if they try and uh, accumulate some of those assets together in terms of a move for a bigger star. Um, so, so I'm not exactly sure what happens in terms of that. There's so many things up in the air right now. Uh, but I do think you're going to see some changeover in, in terms of some of the next core pieces. That's what you want to do. You have a lot of good players. You want to turn them into great players. Maybe it's the upgrade to a star, or maybe it's just a minor upgrade, like you mentioned, and getting someone who just fits this roster a little bit better. And then quickly here, quick, sorry, Jack, but quickly here, if you you want to think about these guys, like in terms of what their contracts are going to be, I mentioned Dinwiddie and Allen, I think are most likely to be traded simply because of they're due for much bigger extensions in the next couple of seasons. Allen's making three, four million next season. He's probably going to be making about 16 million, I'd say. Uh, when he hits the open market after next season or if the Nets give him an extension. And then you have Dinwiddie. He's probably going to go from making 11, 12 to about 20. So yeah. right there, you're going up already 9 plus 12. You're going up about 30, 31 million or so in terms of what those guys are going to go up towards. So 
if you put those guys in a trade together, I think you're finding something. You can get someone of equivalent salary now, but they're not going to be as high as what Allen and Dinwiddie will be together in a couple of years. So it helps them in terms of their luxury tax tax uh, bill as well. So I think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, and you want to get those tradable contracts like use them when you can because then you end up in a situation where you can't use some of the assets like we've seen in Boston where they had all these assets for so long and they really never turned them into a championship team. Some of that was due to injury, but you don't want to put yourself in that position. 100% confirmed. We're making a trade. We're making a trade. 100%. (laughs) Lock it in. Tie it up. Everything's confirmed. This has been the best podcast of the Brooklyn Buzz I've ever heard. (laughs) Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, bring them all here. We're getting Greg Popovich. <laughs> Mike D'Antoni's going to take an assistant coaching role. The Nets are going it's, to... It's lovely days for the Nets, even though the days ahead aren't necessarily very bright right now. I'm looking at 2021, June, July, August. It's going to be happy days. It's going to be a lot better than 2020, regardless of what <laughs> happens. Uh, True. Billy, I asked Jack this the other day. I'm just curious what you think. I uh, Between uh, Yana Musa, Rodions, and Theo Pinson, do you, would you say two out of three of those guys aren't going to be on the team next year? I'd probably say all three won't be on the team, but definitely okay. two out of three. I think I, if I had to rank them, I'd say Theo Pinson's definitely gone. I think Musa has a better chance of being on the team than, than Karuk's, but uh, I'm just not sure you keep either of them on the team if you're really trying to build this team out 15 deep and uh, being a title contender. Yeah, you want the roster space to add a vet that can contribute now and is probably more ready. But Jack, any other things you want to throw out there? No, I'm just, uh, I'm very happy after this podcast, and uh, I I like being happy, so uh, we need to get Billy on the podcast very regularly, please. I love that. I have nothing better to do. I'm sitting in my house, uh, quarantined, and I'd love to talk some Brooklyn basketball you guys whenever you want. Sounds great. Always a pleasure, Billy, having you on, Jack. Always a pleasure talking Nets with you. Big thanks, everybody, and you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Hour Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.